Life Center Kanata, it is so good to be with you today. If you have any really cool stories from Heart, please, please, please tell us today. Uh, whether you're conversing with each other, send me an email. I just would love to hear more about what it is that God has did. Like Nathan said, 37 spontaneous baptisms. Come on! That's amazing! That's amazing. Now, I don't know if you've ever been in this position before, but I can tell you right now that there is a nervousness that can come to responding to God, Right? There's a nervousness that can come to, sp- to respond. So imagine you're being on heart conference. I don't know what part of the leadership team it was that, that just put that out there, but you're wondering, is there anyone that wants to get baptized today? And 37 women said, yes, that's me. And I know there was some youth uh, that got baptized as well from even the Kanata house. So, oh, my goodness, that's amazing. Uh, but it took like an hour, right, to like... <laughs> That's awesome. That's awesome. Oh, I love it. God is so good. God is so good. And only he can do things like that. I just absolutely adore that. And so we are just continuing to encourage. And uh, I want to just put the challenge out for those of us that were on conference, that were on heart conference and were not, please, please, please pray for all of your leadership this week, the amount of hours and time that went into it, even just from our own house. I'm thinking Pastor Sarah, Pastor Karen, uh, any of the volunteers that were serving. Let's lift our people up this week. Ask God for supernatural energy because I know in themselves there is none. And so let's just ask God uh, to hold their arms up, to carry them through this week uh, because they have served so well. I've heard so many great things, and uh, I love it. I love it. I would love to be there, but I am not a singer, so I didn't get the invite. Um, But it's just incredible. Incredible what God is doing. Now, we have just finished as a church a Love Jesus series, which was incredible, helping us to keep our eyes focused on who God is. This month, we're going to be walking through a a Meaningful Relationships series. Uh, This morning's message is called Unhealthy Problems, and this is going to be really digging into what God is calling us to in our own lives. So last week was the the fundamentals and the practicals of how we can love Jesus. Remembering that Jesus goes first. I still, that, that message still rings on my head that he always goes first. And this week, month, what we're going to talk about is the things in our lives that God wants us to work on so that we can transform and become more like him in his image. Now, I have um, just stood this morning in awe of what God has done. And so I'm going to work through my notes at a relatively fast pace because I am always up for when God says, hey, Pastor Mitch, I need some of your time. That's so good. My goodness, the worship extended today, the praying together as a family, I wouldn't give that up for anything. But I do believe that God has something to speak to us today from his word. And so we're going to dive into that today. Uh, Before we do, let's open with prayer. God, we position ourselves today before you. God, I pray that you would open our ears to hear. God, I pray that our hearts would be soft today, God. Lord, in those areas where we're asking for you to be who you are, Lord Jesus, I pray that there would be a fresh wind that would blow in each and every life today, God. Lord, that you would speak as only you can. 
God, I pray that you would strengthen marriages this morning. God, I pray that you would allow all of those young people, whether in Life Kids or Junior High this morning, God, let them hear something unique from you today that they can teach us as adults afterwards. And God, for each and every person in this room, God, I pray that you would challenge, that you would call, and that you would be who you are in our lives. And we ask that today in Jesus' name. Amen. 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 So through this month, we have a couple of things. Number one is we are partnership. We are partnering uh, with a book called Emotional Healthy Spirituality by Peter and Jerry uh, Schizero. Wow, that's a fun last name. Schizero. And so if you would like to, at the end of this message today, you can go ahead and pick up that book. Uh, I believe it's on Amazon and different places. Uh, there is also a couple of free resources that we will be sending you to at the end of every uh, session. Uh, emotionallyhealthy.org. And so if you're taking notes, you can write those things down. Emotionally Healthy Spirituality is the book, and the website is emotionallyhealthy.org. This is important to us because we believe that in this partnership and in this next steps, we're not just going to talk about things on Sunday, but we are going to practically apply them to our lives. All right. Hey, there we go. <laughs> right? Right. Okay. And so that is the commitment that we're asking for you is that you wouldn't just sit and take notes, but that you would position your hearts to say, okay, God, I am open. I am ready. I am willing to be challenged because some of the material that we are going to go through is going to dig in pretty deep. And so we need you to position your lives to say, okay, God, whatever it is that you're calling out, I am willing to look more like you by the end of these next four weeks. That's the commitment that we're looking to make because disciples of Christ who are resilient cultivate meaningful relationships with other followers of Jesus, and they desire to, they desire to be around and become more like themselves. This is the reason why this is so important, because we do not simply want to talk about all the things that make us different, about all the things that make us similar. We don't want to simply talk about where we may be at in different stages of life and the diversity that's here in the intergenerational, haha, why did I rush that? Intergenerational relationships that are present. But we want to focus on those critical issues in our lives that Jesus is asking us to take a step back and examine once again. There are things in our lives today, there are things in, in, in just even in this room that are amazing to behold. All of the ladies who are present on heart, all of the dads and, and, and men who stayed home and fed their kids pizza and KD for two days straight right? Listen, there are things that we can come together with and say, yes, this is where we're similar. This is where we're different. Look at everything that God has gathered, which is great. But we also want to take that deep look inside and say, okay, it's great to see what's on the outside, what's perceptible. But what about the things that we don't show everybody? God wants to speak to that too. God wants to transform lives today. Now, I love my kids, but I've never seen them so happy to see their mother after two days, I told them yesterday, we were making lunch, and I said, now, boys, we're going to have a healthy lunch. And they looked at me like, what? And I was like, hey, we have to, all right? After everything that we've done so far, when your mom comes home, I need you to tell her you had cucumbers, you had grapes, you had apples, and we'll leave the rest of it out of it, all right? KD for supper? Yeah, good, okay. And they were like, okay, we'll eat it. 
But God wants to work on our lives. He wants to dig into those things. And there's a critical issue that we want to address over the next four weeks is that there are times, especially in church, that we have defined spiritual maturity by disconnecting it from emotional maturity. For example, of uh, Christianity, we, we want to meet with Jesus, we want to attend church, we want to discover gifts, learn stuff, and impact the world. There's nothing wrong with that. But we want to implement one more thing as a part of Life Center that we would love to do. So not just meeting Jesus, not just attending church, not just discovering gifts, not just learning stuff, but we want to, imp- we want to, to implement becoming more like Jesus as a necessity when it comes to following Christ. And that will lead us to impact our world. John Tyson, a very uh, uh, renowned author, said this. It's such a beautiful uh, statement. He said, Our aim as sheep should not be to do amazing things for Jesus, but to have an inner life like Jesus, our great shepherd. Our aim as sheep should not be to do amazing things for Jesus, but to have an inner life like Jesus, our great shepherd. Becoming like Jesus means that we allow the formation of Jesus to continually heal our emotions and develop our character. Becoming like Jesus means that we allow the formation of Jesus to continually heal our emotions and develop our character. Even in the time of Jesus, it was easy for him as he was traveling amongst the crowds. So many of them had heard of the great miracles that he was performing. So many of them had heard of the things that he was saying to the Pharisees. And crowds flocked to see what Jesus would do. But as you read through the story, there's multiple times where Jesus turns to the crowd and issues a deep inner challenge. Where he turns to the crowd and says, if you want to follow me, you need to give up everything. Your mother, your brother, your, 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 your family, all of it, your job. Cast aside everything and follow me. And it was at that point that the crowds would disperse. And so over these next four weeks, I want to challenge us that that is not us. Right? That we're not just here for the miraculous. That we're not just here for those deep, like, wow, that's so deep, like, moments. But that we're actually here for that deep transformation. No matter what it is that's caught our heart, no matter what it is that's caught our attention when it comes to Jesus, some of our testimonies are God digging in in that miraculous way. But I believe, as followers of Jesus, there is that challenge to look more like him. And that is difficult. It can be hard. To allow God to transform your life. It sounds good, right? Who doesn't want transformation? Who doesn't want to get rid of all those things that are holding you back? But to actually give them up can be really difficult. The pandemic itself actually showed us two things. First of all, it it didn't just divide us more. It revealed how immature we are as a people. It proposed a temptation to be formed by our crowd and not by Christ. In my own life, there was many unhealthy issues that the pandemic revealed, but we don't have enough time this morning, so I'll just talk about one. <laughs> the biggest thing that the, that the pandemic revealed about me was that I was a huge struggler when it came to saying no. Carrying the weight and expectations, especially as a pastor, and the need to constantly be doing was a huge weight on my shoulders. I remember as the pandemic hit and, and, and we were all spread into this moment of what does this mean, what's going on, and, and all this stuff. And there wasn't as much on my plate as before, but I had never been more tired. 
And I realized that I had overcommitted in my life. One of the most, one of the, the coolest things, this is just extra, this wasn't even my notes, but just as I'm going through it. One of the things that I can't wait, I can't wait till Sawyer and Miles are like 15, 16, 17 years old and are able to articulate their experience during that time. Because they never saw more of me than during the pandemic. They never saw more of me and my wife together than during the pandemic. And as hard as it was, there was also that deep challenge. There was also things that were thrust into our face to say, hey, and I believe that God was illuminating things in that time where I was constantly struggling in the doing rather than the being. I was there, but I wasn't really present. You know what I mean? And I've talked to many people, and I know that this is, is something that's been stirred up. And so whatever it is, maybe over the last two or three years that God has been challenging you with, I want to remind you that just because the pandemic is over, God willing, COVID will just go away. Just because we're, we're stepping into a new period doesn't mean that the lessons that God was trying to teach us should be left behind as well. Today, when we look at what happens, today we want to look at what happens to someone in the Bible who kept their spiritual maturation and their emotional maturity disconnected rather than integrated. We're going to talk about Saul. See, Saul went from anointing to serving, never rejecting his strongholds or self-reliance. Saul is the first king of Israel. In the portion of scripture that we're about to read, Saul is instructed by God to attack the Amalekites and totally destroy everything and all that belongs to them. However, Saul is a people pleaser. And due to the pressure of those around him, he only does in part what it was that God was asking. Saul is self-reliant and overly focused on success. He's also formed by his crowd, not in obedience to trust God fully. 1 Samuel 15, 7-9 says this, Then Saul attacked the Amalekites all the way from Halavut to Shur, near the eastern border of Egypt. He took Agog, king of the Amalekites, alive, and all of his people he totally destroyed with the sword. So far, so good. But Saul and the army spared Agog and the best of the sheep and cattle, the fat calves and lambs, everything that was good. These they were unwilling to destroy completely, but everything that was despised and weak, they totally destroyed. Saul is clear on what God is asking on him and how he is to lead. But in that moment of decision, in that moment of, of challenge, in that moment where it really comes to, just like we were saying, sometimes it's easy to talk about, it's harder to do. In that moment of decision, instead of following completely on what God has challenged him to do, Saul, formed by his success and his self-reliance, wanting for his men to also enjoy the goodness of their success, he leads into selfishness and takes for himself and disobeys God and surrounds himself with people who will encourage him to do that because it also feeds what they need. By the time Samuel the prophet shows up, Saul's deception has become his truth. We continue on in the story. Then the word of the Lord came to Samuel. I regret that I have made Saul king because he has turned away from me and has not carried out my instructions. Samuel was angry, and he cried out to the Lord all night. Early in the morning, Samuel got up and went to meet Saul, but he was told, Saul has gone to Carmel. There he has set up a monument in his own honor and has turned and gone down to Gilgal. When Samuel reached him, Saul said, The Lord bless you. I have carried out the Lord's instructions. 
But Samuel said, What then is this bleeding of sheep in my ears? What is this lowing of cattle that I hear? And Saul answered, The soldiers brought them from the Amalekites. They spared the best of the sheep and the cattle to sacrifice to the Lord your God. But we totally destroyed the rest. Verse 12, in what is supposed to be God's victory, what does Saul do? He sets up a monument to himself. In those moments where we fail to follow exactly what it is that God has asked us to do, church, what we're doing is we're saying, okay, God, I hear you, but what about me? What about what I want? What about my glory? This is something that all of us will have to challenge ourselves with and we'll have to work through making sure that our importance, that our desires do not become more than what God is asking us to do. It's easy to look at the life of Saul and say, Saul, what a fool. But it's so easy for us to do that in our own lives. To go halfway with God, just as we talked about in our critical issue, that, that meeting Jesus and God, I read the Bible, God, I, I serve and do all this. He says, yes, but are you becoming more like my son? Well, I'm trying. Okay, that's great. But trying for 10 years, trying for 15 years, there has to be progress. God desires transformation in our lives. Amen? It's not easy. It's not easy, but whoever told you that following God was easy, they lied to you. This isn't easy, but it's worth it. To watch the things of the world fall off, to shake the importance of ourselves and instead replace it with the importance of Jesus, it may not be easy, but man, is it worth it. Verse 15, Saul believes partial obedience is the same as full obedience. And Samuel calls him out. Samuel says, enough. 1 Samuel 15, 16 to 21. Samuel says, enough. Let me tell you what the Lord said to me last night. Tell me, Saul replied. Samuel said, although you were once small in your own eyes, did, not, did you not become the head of the tribes of Israel? The Lord anointed you king over Israel, and he sent you on a mission saying, go and completely destroy those wicked people, the Amalekites. Wage war against them until you have wiped them out. Why did you not obey the Lord? Why did you pounce on the plunder and do evil in the eyes of the Lord? And Saul shot back, but I did obey the Lord. I went on the mission the Lord assigned me. I completely destroyed the Amalekites and brought back Agog the king. The soldiers took the sheep and cattle from the plunder, the best of, of which was devoted to God, in order to sacrifice them to the Lord your God at Gilgal. In verse 20, Saul is reinforcing, reinforced by his crowd, calls his disobedience obedience. He tries to find a way to say, okay, I didn't do exactly what God wanted me to do, but my intentions were right. I'm still giving to God even out of the things that I've taken. Unhealthy spirituality starts with our own struggles and progresses when we surround ourselves with people who tell us what we want to hear, but do not remind us of what God commands us. From love, God sends Saul Samuel to remind him of God's truth, what is ultimate truth. In those areas, Saul is so deformed by success and self-reliance that he tries to reframe disobedience to devotion to God. And we can do this too. We can call judging others discernment. I'm not just pointing out their faults. This is, you know, it's, it's for the best. We can say that our gossip is actually prayer. We can call our greed blessing. Even our anger, we can try to transform it as righteous. 
Like Saul, there's always a crowd who wants to remain unhealed and are quick to support you to also justify their own actions. But remember, nothing that Saul is being confronted with comes from what Saul did not know. Sometimes there are things that we do and we're just oblivious, but Saul knew exactly what was going on. He had heard from God and he had deliberately disobeyed in order to appease those who were around him. After Saul tries to masquerade his disobedience as devotion, what Samuel does next is critical, and what Saul confesses next is key. 1 Samuel 15, 22-24, But Samuel replied, Does the Lord re- re- delight in burnt offerings and sacrifices as much as in obeying the Lord? To obey is better than sacrifice. Oof. Oof. To obey is better than sacrifice, and to heed is better than the fat of rams. For rebellion is like the sin of divination, and arrogance like the evil of idolatry. Because you have rejected the word of the Lord, he has rejected you as king. Then Saul said to Samuel, I have sinned. I violated the Lord's command and your instructions. I was afraid of the men, and so I gave in to them. Samuel reminds Saul of a transformative truth about God. Our greatest sacrifice without obedience gains nothing. In Saul's life, what was under the, what was under the surface and that was unhealthy and driving his, his behavior was that last part that he said, I was afraid of men and so I gave in to them. As you follow the life of Saul, what you'll see is that God, because this is who he is, gave him ample opportunity to remain the king and yet Saul could not move from his own self-indulgence. So eventually he was removed as king. And church, I want to challenge us today that there are plans and purposes that God has set out before you. There are doors and and different things that God wants to lead us into. But he is not going to lead you in a position where the representation that you give of who God is, is unhealthy. We have to position ourselves to say, God, whatever is in me that is not of you, I surrender to you. God knows that we are not perfect. He's not asking for perfection. But what he is asking for is servants and vessels who will say, not me, but you, God. Not me, but you, God. Our greatest sacrifice without obedience gains nothing. And we are called to live like Jesus. Why does the sacrifice of Jesus mean so much? Because he was obedient even unto death. That's our God. That's our Savior. The one who was perfect. That when Jesus asked, he said, that when the Father asked, Jesus said yes. Even until his own death, he, he prayed. This is our example. He prayed before God and said, God, this cup is so heavy, but if it is your will, I will walk in it. And God said, it is my will. And so Jesus rose from the garden and walked boldly. He walked bravely unto death for our sins. That our sins would be sacrificed and washed under the blood. His obedience, his sacrifice means so much because everything that he did was unto the Father. And this is the example that we are called to follow. In following Jesus, just three questions this morning that we have for you if you're taking notes or just if you want to take a moment and maybe close your eyes and just listen to this. In following Jesus, where am I just going through the motions? Where am I offering sacrifices? 
without the follow-through of obedience? Is it just religious activity? I think this morning God has showed us that coming to church is about more than just a habit. The Spirit is moving. We don't come just because we want to tick off something on a Sunday. We come because we're hungry to see what God is going to do. Don't go to a heart conference just because it's an amazing experience. We go to a heart conference and watch as 37 people spontaneously say, I want to declare I'm for God. Come on. Saul pretends to be someone on the outside that he is not on the inside. Where is that true for us? And who do you have in your life that acts as a Samuel? Who do you allow to speak God's truth so you don't live a false life that God has not called you to? I want to encourage you following this service to head over to emotionalhealthy.org and take a free How Emotionally Healthy Are You assessment and then to share the results with your Samuel or someone that you trust that won't look at these things and test but instead encourage you. Sure, that's where you are, but let's think about where God wants to take you. Because our God doesn't want to leave us where we are today. Our God wants to take us deeper into his word wants to take those things in our lives and absolutely transform them by his grace and by his spirit. And so I want to pray over each and every one of you this morning, and then Nathan's going to come up and close, that God would open the door for transformation to take place over this next month. My desire, my hope, is that by the end of this series, we would hear testimony of things that were, but a new life that is. Let's pray. God, (laughs) I just challenge each and every person in this room once again, Lord, not to be discouraged, but to be encouraged. Lord God, no matter what it is that's present in our life, God, I know that you are illuminating those things, that you are making some uncomfortable this morning because you are ready to shake those things loose, to say, yes, I know that they've had a hold on you. Yes, I know that the the, uh, praise of people has been important to you, but we are going to transform those things by the power of your spirit. And so God, I pray freedom for people in this room today. God, that things would be cast off in Jesus' name. God, that over the next month that there would be emotional, healthy Christians that would rise up in this room, that addictions would have no place to hold on to, God, that the praise of people would fall from our attention. God, that our lives would be only truly locked on you, that where you call and when you call, that we would answer fully. God, I don't want a partial truth. God, I want all of you. Everything that you have, Lord Jesus. Our world doesn't need a little bit of truth, God. It is hungry for the truth of your Son to watch as lives are radically transformed. And so, Lord, move in this room first, but for a city that desperately needs you. God, we just recognize this morning the sacrifice of your Son. And the reason that it echoes through eternity is because it was done through true obedience to you. Everything in him was to the Father. And so, God, I pray that that challenge would also rise up in this room and that we would be a people completely and totally devoted to you. In Jesus' name, amen. Nathan?